Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That would be me. It's awfully glad to be back in this chair in front of this microphone here in the studio with Rebecca. We're going to have a wonderful show today. My friend Patrick Albanese will be starting us off in just a couple of minutes. And then Pastor John Hauser from Prairie Heights Church in Fargo and Bismarck will be coming onto the program. And then hour two is a full hour with Dr. Marcus Bachman. And this is going to be a great hour. We're going to be talking about uh, the family that you have. And maybe you're thinking, what happened to my perfect family? And then how to accept the family you do have. Those are all the things we're going to be chatting about with Dr. Marcus Bachman. So get your questions ready because uh, like most families, we've got concerns and problems and issues. And, and we've got maybe disappointments, but also we've got the family we have. And he will tackle those questions for us. So let's get our fabulous Monday started and take 60 seconds and then bring on Mr. Albanese. Thanks and giving. They go together like peanut butter and jelly and pineapple with rich crackers and cheese. Wait, what? Yep, look up the recipe. You'll thank me. When you have a thankful heart, you realize your blessings and generosity comes naturally. When you have a giving heart, others are filled with gratitude and the wonderful cycle continues. At Faith Radio, we're thankful for you, your friendship, prayers, and financial support. So we hope to give you the best Bible teaching and conversations to help you connect faith to life. Worshiping the risen King together. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me. Claiming his promises. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to Monday, and it's awfully nice. On Mondays, I get a chance to chat and catch up with my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome to the show. We used to be prestigious, now we're just great. Well, it's all right. No, that's the great state of Iowa and the prestigious... Prestigious. That's not easy to say. Town of West Des Moines, which you don't even technically live. So, yeah. I don't. I live in Clive, which is a suburb of a suburb of a suburb. So then that's, you know, it's a six degrees of, it's like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, something in there. All right. I had a thing today, and I don't know, you know, you have experience with dogs. I did not know that they could do this, but my dog has mastered a look that can only be described as shame <laughs> but he's ashamed of me like really yeah like uh, you know i'll walk into a room and he has this look it's like i am so disappointed in you oh, that's <laughs> like, terrible 
I had no idea a dog could do that. I always thought it was, you know, happy to see you and I'm really sorry for what I did. But instead, my dog has mastered this. I am so embarrassed for you and your kin. (laughs) 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 I just discovered that today. I'm like, that's a new look. That is not a good way to start the day. You don't even know what he did. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting over the weekend that Kanye made his big appearance at Joel Olstein's church. That was a big deal. And I was yeah. looking at this this song that Taylor Swift came out with. I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift, although I think she's talented. And yeah. it came out June 21st, and it's had 158 million views. So people like the song. But as I was reading the lyrics to it, it's uh, pretty much in celebration of a homosexual lifestyle and yeah. talking about uh, people who have a different view of this lifestyle are in the dark ages and you're haters. And I go, well, that's the message that's being sent out to young kids today. And I'll be honest, the song is kind of catchy. I've heard it a couple times. Uh, but she does how, the catchy song. She does thing, the yeah. catchy songs, but it's still doing a nice steady stream of of telling young people and reinforcing this. And it's yeah, absolutely it's... not true. Yeah, and and of course, I always love how every it's always the hater. You're a hater. You're a hater. It's, they it's jump the new... right to the hater. Right to the hater. Mm-hmm. It's a, if you don't agree with me, you're a hater. If you don't uh, do things the way I think they should be done, and you go, wow, who's the closed-minded one here? You're calling me closed-minded and a hater if I don't agree with you, but it's obviously I have to toe the line. And, you know, it's so strange, especially with, uh, like, the theme of this song, um, that people who don't agree with the homosexual lifestyle. I mean, can can you even, are you even allowed to say, Eh, that's not for me. It's not my thing. You know what? We're all sinners. People are going to do the thing they're going to do. Um, but uh, like, like, why, why is there such an insistence on celebrating it? Why is there this? You, you, you must celebrate it. And this was easy to predict that they would, you know, push a lot farther than just legalized gay marriage. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to see that. The, the lawsuits are going to come where they go into a church and say, we want you to do the ceremony. And the church is going to say, we don't do that here. And it's going to be a big court case and it's going to be life changing for us, depending on the outcome. Mm-hmm. But, but even if we win, they'll come back at it again. Yeah. But there, it's at the point now where the message is total affirmation is kind of the mandate. Yeah. And uh, do, do we have to play the game? Can you just say, um, you know, no, well, I reject the premise that, that we're all, uh, screaming about how much we hate, which is 100% false. 100%. 100% we don't even, false. Yeah. We, it'd be more if we could get more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like it's you and I are in, uh, entertainment business and we happen to know, you know, more than most people know, uh, gay people, gay couples, gay everything. And I don't hate any of them. I don't have any yeah. hate in my bones. As a These are facts. Fr- I love them a great deal. Yeah. I love them like crazy. And I've told them that. Right. right. And not a single one of my uh, friends, by the way, have gotten married. So <laughs> that's, you know, as I go, well, you, you really fought for this thing. This was important. And none of you have gotten married. Not one. Not a single one. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe it wasn't all that important. Well, I don't, yeah, it probably wasn't. But the no. the establishing it as it being an equal right was important. But going ahead and doing it, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So yeah, there's there so many of those people that said, well, yeah, my, my friends that were that are straight that would say, you know, we're not going to get married until uh, our, our gay friends can get married. And then uh, when they made gay marriage legal, I had a lot of straight friends going, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of staying in the same vein, what what were you telling me about Chick-fil-A disavowing the Salvation Army? So, so, you know, they, they each year they donate. And it's so funny. I, I just was looking up the number and I think it's only about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year to Salvation Army and causes. But they, a lot more to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was like a million and a half. Mm, wow. And um, they've been under fire from the LGBT groups for years saying, well, those groups, you know, they're Christian, you know, and they don't approve of our lifestyle. So, of course, a Chick-fil-A opens in you know, any city and there's an immediate call for a boycott because they're haters. There's that word again. And, uh, evidently their, their head honcho decided, yeah, we're just not going to donate to those uh, organizations uh, anymore. Cause I guess the pressure got to them. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's always a funny thing though. I remember Dick's sporting goods kind of caved to the, to the anti-gun mob and they lost something like $250 million after doing it. It's, uh, you know, so I, if you're saying it's for a business decision, maybe it won't be the best of business decision. Um, I, it, you know, I, I'm not a good boycotter cause I lose track of who I'm supposed to not go visit. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'll go to Chick-fil-A a little bit less frequently or, or maybe what I'll do just as a thought is instead of spending, you know, twenty-five dollars uh, for a meal for the family at Chick-fil-A some night, I'll just send twenty-five dollars to the Christian athletes and just do the donating myself. I like that. Uh, That's a good instead plan. Of spending it there, yeah, and I'll a just good go strategy. Yeah, maybe maybe the Fellowship of Christian Athletes will end up getting a lot more than the million and a half they got from Chick-fil-A. If 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 people would just say, you know what, instead of going there five nights a week, I'll go four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Didn't take some. Yeah. Did, didn't it seem, though, that every time Chick-fil-A stood their ground, that their business just went through the roof? People every time were, there was a call for a boycott, yeah. it, there was a line around the, the building. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, does this work? You know, there's a, a phrase out there, because you, know, you know they always talk about being woke. You got to get woke. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a phrase that's uh, get woke, go broke, uh, that, you know, companies that kowtow to outrage mobs tend to lose out and and i and i think that's pretty easy to understand because the one thing for certain with outrage mobs is you can never make them happy i i I don't see lgbt groups suddenly saying all right we're cool you know i got a feeling they're going to say now about those things your founder said uh, that he is against gay marriage we need you as a company because there's going to be there there's going to be additional requests mm-hmm. there's going to be they're going to ask for more and they're not going to suddenly start going there so i i don't know what they they gain by this and it's like why are you harming young christian athletes some of them majority of them from very underprivileged families that just so happen to be Christian. Yeah. Why, why, would you, why would you harm them to placate a mob that's not going to come at your store anyway? Yeah. It's interesting because Chick-fil-A um, must feel the pressure at some level. They a- accidentally promoted their National Sandwich Day, and they did this in an email advertising their National Sandwich Day, which happened to fall on a Sunday. Of course, confusing everybody because they're traditionally known for being closed on Sunday. And in fact, 
they made a mistake and said, oops, we didn't mean to have it on that day. So they're probably feeling a little bit of stress. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, either that or, you know, what I think happens in a lot of these situations, because you wonder what happened to these organizations? What happened to a lot of the charitable organizations that suddenly became uh, almost politically active and they didn't used to be? And I think the truth is, is that uh, uh, the other side, just like they took over Hollywood and took over academia, they just slowly infiltrate themselves in places and start planting seeds and you know, uh, you plant little seeds of doubt, and the next thing you know, somebody at Chick-fil-A is saying, look at the money we're leaving on the table by not being open on Sunday. I mm-hmm. mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But you go, this company came from essentially nowhere and became the number one fast food chain of the last couple of years. You think you're kowtowing to people just when your growth is at an all-time high. I'm, I'm scratching my noggin on that one. Mm-hmm. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We're going to take a little break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the show. Always nice on Mondays to chat with my friend and colleague, Patrick Albanese. Uh, Patrick, it's uh, another fall day out there, but it's starting to feel and look more wintry than fall. And I know that for some people, when they start losing the daylight, they start to feel a little bit blue. Okay, that's fair, isn't it? Seasonal affected Yes, but there is an article I read about the key to longevity is have something to look forward to. So despite what might be uh, weather that is not so great or dreary uh, skies or lack of sun, if you have hope in your heart and if you have something you're looking forward to, it will help you to live longer. Isn't that interesting? I shall look forward to reading that article. <laughs> well, I'm not going to send it to you, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it should keep me... But that makes it makes sense. You know, I, I remember my grandmother at 93, and she had lost her eyesight, and, you know, a lot of... She was having some, some health problems, and she caught pneumonia, and they said, oh, you'll be fine. She said, yeah, no, I, I'm kind of done. There's nothing left. Nothing mm. left to do. And, and she was gone, you know, uh, about a week and a half later. Um, you know, my mother kind of went in, in a similar fashion that was, there was nothing left for her to look forward to, uh, you know, that she, that she could feel sticking around for. So it, it is, uh, it makes you wonder if you can sort of circumvent an early demise by always having something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And of course you and I always love to encourage one another with getting to the gym because it's something we've been doing for, I don't know, four decades. But there's yeah. another great article that talked about this 103-year-old woman that gives credit for her going to the gym and working out with weights. And it's, you know, maybe it's one of those little simple things in life that you can look forward to certain kinds of activities that you kind of know in your heart will produce a feeling of, of mild euphoria. Because, you know, when you exercise, you feel that. And yes. that gives you energy and it gives you, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to do what God has called you to do. You know, because let's face it, it's it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy just to go out and do what God has called you to do. Well, and chances are, a friend of mine actually wrote a book on on this topic about uh, staying healthy for your later years because his 
theory, and I, and I like it. I agree with it. He said, when you're young, you're just trying to get your family going or you're getting your career going. And chances are when it's time for you to do God's work, it's going to be in the later years of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're cutting your life short by poor choices or just not taking very good care of yourself, uh, you're missing out on those years that, uh, you know, you, well, go through the Bible. Quite a few of these guys got late starts, you <laughs> know, some of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, you know I I can't even imagine how old was Noah when he started you know construction. <laughs> He's like I don't I don't even have a degree in this business. I'm going to build a boat. Wait, you know, but he, was he north of a hundred? I think he was, wasn't he? Maybe he was north 110, of 120. You know, Abraham starts his family a little late in the game. A little late in the game. Yeah, I had a friend recently send me a uh, uh, he was trying to get a, people of our age group. Uh, you know, thinking about fitness, and he sends me this 30-day push-up challenge, and I wrote him back and said, I will be starting on day 29. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it for so long that I said, well, I'll just start on day 29 because I want to have a build-up, you know, to get to the ultimate finish. Right. So I, I, I did take care of that. Well, it's— uh, Day 30, it, by the way, later that same day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always a good reminder, though, to even with the weather changing and it gets colder, you know, to make sure you take whatever precautions necessary. And I know that people that go out uh, sometimes just even for a walk, they start to fear the scary black ice that that's the 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 uh, sidewalk sidewalk looks clean, but it's not. Yes. And how important it is just to uh, be awfully careful when you're out um, or pick places to go where, you know, you've got some indoor space to get some walking in. But you know, or maybe the gym or somewhere that you can reliably go and work up a nice sweat. Well, I'm trying to think, um, a friend of mine in town here, uh, Van, you know, Van, mm -hmm. um, he, he was a mall walker. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a, decided it was time to lose weight. I'm trying to think he lost, it was close to a hundred pounds. I think Rebecca might have the actual number because, uh, I think she tracks that stuff. Rebecca knows him as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, um, and he did it all with walking. And change his diet. Yeah, uh, walking. He did. It's it's like you lifting weights. Are you running? Are you, nope. Walk. I walk. Mm -hmm. I walk. Hundred pounds. So having a plan is always uh, is, is always good. I, I you know it's as you know people like us we we've we've got this ingrained habit of doing it. So we sometimes don't understand the struggle that somebody who's just trying to get started can feel, and that difficulty of not day one. Day one's easy. Mm -hmm. Day two. Day two is tough. Well, I think it has to do with systems. What is your system for doing what you do? Because I think it's systems that you don't have in place, which keep you from doing the things you want to do. You don't have a system for doing something. Yeah. Do you know and where I'm going with this? Or I know I just, exactly. Okay. You're going to the non-negotiables, of course. Well, that's kind of there, but you have to create a system that you go, this is just what I do. And you, you don't get up in the morning and say, hmm, I wonder if I do feel I like doing this. No, 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 no. I think that you it's 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 part of that planning the day ahead of time sort of attitude where uh, you get up and you say, all right, you know, uh, where am I putting the workout in? You know, my whole family, um, I'm one of eight kids. There's uh, I lost a brother. Um, oh gosh, it's quite a few years ago now. But um, it, it's. We, we, my father passed away when we were young and all of us kind of got this fitness bug at a very young age. You got to take much better care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when the family gets together, it's amazing that unlike most families, you know, with the, 
what do you guys want to do today? I want to catch a movie. My family is like, all right, uh, where are we going to work out? What are we going to do? You know, what's, what's the plan? Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's humorous because it's not even considered an if it's just a factual thing that will be happening at some point in time mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. So that's a positive thing. And another thing that I've been reading over the weekend was having friends and good friends boost well-being. And it suggests that having numerous friends reduces the risk of medical conditions like heart disease. And really not all friendships are created equal. Um, the more closely related to how people feel about their friends is going to produce uh, a, a more uh, healthy life for people. Well, it's a known fact that the more friends you have, the less likely you are to be alone when the big one hits. That's true. So, yeah, they might know, get you to the hospital. They might get you to the hospital in time. You mm-hmm. know, that's, uh, I could see that. You know, uh, my grandfather had a heart attack in the backyard alone. Uh, so uh, that, that'll do it. Picking up a branch. Yeah. And of course, now we hear more and more people about uh, feeling incredible loneliness and detachment. And there seems to be uh, sometimes less church attendance, less engagement in social clubs and activities. And you start to figure out, well, hmm, these dots all connect. They they all connect, and and I'm as I look at a computer screen right now, uh, I, I do put some of the blame on things like social media, which I believe create a fake sense of engagement with people, because you see the various things they're doing, and you respond, oh, that looks like a fun vacation, and oh, nice new car, and you know, it it's it's amazing because. Wouldn't it be interesting if uh, on any given day you just went to your, say, Facebook thing and saw somebody put a post up and say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee and talk face to face. So I think we get this sense that we're connecting with people, but we're really not. We're connecting with electrons. And there's, you know, I don't know how many times it has to be proven to me that you sit down with somebody over a cup of coffee or a lunch. I just did it with... Uh, Uh, somebody last week I hadn't seen in a while. And it was just this wonderful, wonderful time. And it's, you come out of it. I felt healthier. If that makes any sense to you at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how God designed us to be uh, shoulder to shoulder, face to face. You know, some we're, we're um, analog beings living in a digital world. Sometimes you just need an arm around you or a big hug or somebody to sit and reach for a Kleenex if you have a tear come down your face. That's true. Yeah. That's, and that, by the way, is being said by a man who is currently sitting in a room alone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with, a, with a piece of soundproof glass. I between. get it. But there's a lot of friends out there listening, so that's what counts. Patrick, thanks so much that's, for doing the show. As always, nice to chat with you on Mondays. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We will take a little break, and we will be back with John Hauser.
I'm awfully glad to be welcoming back to the program John Hauser. He's the co-founder and senior pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church in West Fargo. There's also a campus in Bismarck. Love talking to John Hauser. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bill. Always enjoy our time together. A lot of fun, interesting conversation. Yeah, well, it's because of what you bring to the table. Now, you've kind of been doing a series on the art of living a significant life. And uh, my feeling is that should maybe be a book someday. You know what? It first came up about a little over 10 years ago. My wife had been telling me, John, you really need to write a book. And I'm like, "Uh, all right, we'll see. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Bill, I was sitting in an engineering cubicle on a Friday afternoon, supposed to do an work, but I'm staring out the window and (laughs) literally this thought of the art of living a significant life popped in my brain. And I started writing an email to myself uh, at my uh, Prairie Heights email address. And I just started getting some thoughts down on paper. And it was one of those kind of aha moments when I realized that for most of my life, I was a scientist. I got very good at, uh, I love black and white. I love data. I love watching, observing, processing, I love fixing problems, and art was just not my, didn't like music, didn't like uh, coloring, art class, uh, didn't like creativity, um, not a fan of like even Star Wars, because it was like, well, no, that's not even realistic. Like, I, I've never heard anyone talk like that. I've never seen a vehicle like that, so <laughs> just... Okay, so, so we could was, we could agree you were a weird kid. All right, let's move on from that. I was a weird kid, <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized um, that I had I'd become an artist. Yeah, and I was so thankful for it, Fantastic. and uh, began realizing that you know what there is. Uh, hey, it's important to know the science of life, no doubt about it. But there is an art when you think about it. There's an art to parenting. There's an art to following Christ. There's an art to leadership, and it's not all formulas. Uh, formulas will get you uh, perhaps a certain distance in life, but sooner or later, uh, in order to, to live beyond a successful life, to live a significant life, you've got to embrace the artist in you. So yeah. it's been a fun journey. Yeah. John, it's a small word, but it's a big word. Art is a big word. I mean, there's an art to listening. I mean, it's like you don't just wake up one day and know how to listen. Yeah, that is a great point. I have... Uh, <laughs> I, that's a whole topic that I think is huge, the art of listening, in that active listening. And I truly believe that that is one of the greatest gifts we can give our family, our friends, our customers, is truly – I tell people, if you want to make another 10% income every year, become a better listener. And it is such an affirming value for people. Uh, they probably can't even – put uh, their finger on it, but it, it, when we have such a lack of listening in our society, and I'm just as guilty of over-talking, um, but when we truly listen and we're able to just be truly present with people, that is one of the easiest and most effective ways of saying you matter, you're important. Uh, and uh, yeah, i if you want to raise your job, uh, become a better listener, and there's a good chance your sales will go up. Your your boss is like, you are doing a great job. Um, so, yeah, the art of listening. And like you said, we don't learn that as kids. You know, uh, our So our son is an introvert. We have a 23-year-old son. He's an introvert. So in some ways, you know, he's not a talker. But, um, yeah, I don't know. 
obviously not a natural listener either. Our daughter is a talker, and so we've really tried teaching her, and she loves asking questions, creating conversation. But we've really worked on teaching her. She's 11, and we've worked with her on, Brooke, when you ask a question, you then have to slow down and listen to what they're saying. Otherwise, it's offensive when you just ask questions, and you really, I mean, before you're even done answering, you're on to the next Hey, what are we going to do for supper? Hey, what are we going to, what time can we do this? Hey, can you play cards? And (laughs) and so we really taught her you have to, if you truly want to ask a question, ask it, but then listen. And uh, she's gotten much, much better at it. Uh, But as you said, there's an art to it. It's not a natural there's not just a science to listening. You know, yeah. you can't just learn a formula, right? No, I don't. I don't think we're down a, a rabbit trail at this point. But uh, uh, probably 25 years ago, I, I bought a book called "The Lost Art of Listening" by Mike Nichols. I've had him on the show, mm. and he's an interesting guy. But I, I read it and I enjoyed it, and I tried to apply its principles. And after yeah. two or three days of doing it, John, I was so exhausted I couldn't stand it because <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. listening is hard work. And it is, I remember it? in those three days when I was so uh, studious about it. I had a number of people say to me, that's one of the best conversations I've ever had. And I thought, yeah. wow, it does make a difference when you listen, but it's hard work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, Bill, specifically, uh, interpersonal communication is hard work. And I think we forget. And like you said, uh, it is harder work to listen than it is to talk um, because you're actually you are pouring energy into that conversation. You are. Yep, you're tuning out other distractions. You are watching body language and just uh, listening to what they're saying so that you can ask a follow-up question. Um, and absolutely, every interpersonal communication, it, even whether you're introvert or extrovert, it takes that is taking energy uh, from you. If you know, it's you've got to pour into that conversation, and you pour more in. Uh, when you listen. That's fascinating. What was your journey like then after, <laughs> after well, those three days? I, I was able to not maintain that level of listening. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, for some people, it would be like the equivalent of joining a gym where you go for three days and then you don't go ever again. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have all the best yep. intentions and you go, this is great. Yep. And so, yep. you know, I've been able to try to return to it. And I know the principles and it's just the discipline I need to do it. Now, having said that, I think of sometimes when people go in for counseling and the counselor says, I understand. And you go, finally, someone gets me. And I go, no, they just paid to listen. You're paying them to listen to you. That's exactly right. So let's get back to the art of living a significant life and talk a little bit about uh, the Holy Spirit and how that uh, plays a significant part in, in uh, in this whole art of living a significant life. Yeah, that's a great question, Bill. It's very fascinating. In fact, I kind of chuckle because many different scriptures that we could go to, for me, one of the most intriguing and fascinating conversations as well as statements that Jesus made was when he and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when, uh, yeah, this uh, important, uh, influential leader uh, in government in religion, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and of course, there's all you know that that in itself is a fascinating. And and Jesus has this amazing conversation about being born again. And see, I when I look at Nicodemus, I see a guy that loved science, a very black and white. You know, uh, he you know I, it wasn't an accident. I don't think that he came at night. It was a very strategic move. Either he you know didn't 
didn't want others to know, or he thought, you know what, Jesus obviously has a lot of people around him. If I catch him at night, you know, he's going to be less busy. So I just see Nicodemus processing, okay, that's someone I want to meet with. That's someone I've got some questions for. I'm intrigued by him. I'm interested. And I see him kind of strategizing as to when to go speak to him. And so he comes at night, and of course Jesus, you know, takes advantage of his scientist mindset, his analytical mindset, and he starts talking about, you know, being born again. Of course, Nicodemus thinks he's talking about literal, and he's like, "Uh, how would I fit? You know, I'm a little big to be in my mother's (laughs) womb, and it just seems weird. You know, he's taking him literal. And then, of course, uh, I think it's around verse 8, you know, Jesus says this most uh, interesting thing about the wind blowing wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, can't tell where it's coming from or going. And then he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And, you know, Bill, it's funny because I I used to uh, kind of like read that verse and think, nah, I don't know. That just sounds too artsy, right? Like, <laughs> what is this about? Like, you know, it just seems just isn't concrete, like the wind's blowing, okay, and, and, you know, born of the Spirit, I get that, but you don't know where it goes or comes from, and no, I want to kind of know, you know. Anyway, uh, so I look at that verse as I, this whole idea of the art of living a significant life, as this came to me that afternoon, that was kind of the verse that popped in my brain, and I thought all of a sudden, oh my goodness, that's kind of what God had done in my life. I used to try and make decisions based on, you know, pros and cons and, you know, analyze it, form, put it in a, plug it into a formula and out comes the answer. And I realized that over the course of time, God led me, uh, you know, probably even way back in high school to some degree, but all of a sudden I become much more of an artist. Uh, and for me, what that ultimately meant as a follower of Christ is I'd learned to follow the mysterious movement of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, it made no sense for me to quit my engineering career and move to Fargo to start a new church. I'd only preached three times in my life. So, but you know what? I was learning the art of listening to the Holy Spirit. And there was something in uh, both my wife and I spirit that said, there's a church needed in Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, uh, for people that don't like going to church Mm -hmm. and see uh, if we can lead them uh, to the Lord. Uh, if God could use us to do that. And so it was, uh, it was mysterious and all people are like, really, you're, you're doing that, you know? And then just the daily, you know, when God puts something in you, when the spirit says, you know what, uh, reach out to that person, start a conversation with them. Um, boy, here's someone that needs a text. Uh, so it could be even just daily. And I realize on that piece, Bill, real quick is we have a lot of bored uh, followers of Christ. Um, and so they think it's more adventurous and our kids, they think it's more adventurous to, uh, you know, to, to go on a, a motorcycle hundred miles an hour, that that's extreme adventure. And what I want to help people see is, you know what, it's an extreme adventure every day to listen to the Holy spirit. It's mysterious. It is, uh, sometimes it's like, boy, I I don't know. That doesn't make sense. You really, you you want me to to give that? You want me to say that? You want me to, um, you know, that every day there's an amazing adventure uh, in the movement of the Holy Spirit. And we don't always know where it comes. It doesn't always make sense. So I ask people sometimes, you know what, when's the last time you made a decision that the Holy Spirit led you to? And it, 
doesn't make sense. Like if you were to try and explain to someone, they're going to be like, what? Why would you do that? Well, it's what I sense, you know, here's what I sense God asking me uh, to give, uh, how to serve, how to love someone, um, to be a better listener. You know, when the spirit prompts you on that, it's like, okay, this is a conversation uh, that I need to listen, Yeah, uh, be a better listener. In. So, yeah, so that's the art of, of following the mysterious movement of the Holy Spirit. And that's an incredible adventure. It makes every day exciting. It's you the never most know. thrilling one <laughs> out there. What... All right, John, let me take a little break. John Hauser is my guest. Uh, he is the co-founder and senior pastor of Prairie Heights Community Church in West Fargo, also with a location in Bismarck. We'll take a short uh, break and we'll resume with John in just a couple minutes. the show. John Hauser is my guest. He's the co-founder and senior pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church in West Fargo and in Bismarck. Go to prairieheights.com to learn more about John and see his good-looking picture. Um, John, as we talk about the art of having a successful life, there's a, you say there's a key word that boxes God in. What is that key word? Yeah, and I hear this a lot, and I'm probably just as much of a builder uh, of this word as anyone, and it is the powerful one-letter word, I. <laughs> uh, I I want to get married. That's a great desire. I talked to someone actually last Sunday. Uh, that's a deep desire of their heart. Um, when we, the word I, uh, I always want to be an engineer. I, I don't ever want to move to uh, North Dakota. <laughs> but when we start and it's it, first of all, it's great. We're all going to have those, but when we elevate that desire above the art of listening to the mysterious movement of the Holy Spirit, uh, we overlook uh, what God may be laying on our hearts. Sometimes our greatest opportunities are 100% tied to uh, uh, a desire that we say we do or don't want. Um, you know, the person that doesn't ever want to. Uh, live in a big city, all of a sudden, when they listen to the Lord and uh, move there, there's things that they would never have experienced had they boxed God in or out <laughs> with the uh, with uh, the word I. And so there is, uh, and once again, that's an art. That's not, uh, you can't make a formula out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, John, what if we try to retrofit our agenda and we try to put it and marry it with what we think the Holy Spirit is saying. Because if I say, I want to move to a big city and start a mega church, and God's design really is for me to live in the rural community and minister to the ones in that community. And yeah. so I figure out a way just to take my desires and make them coincide with what I think the Holy mm. Spirit's saying. That's uh, I love that retrofit and that concept, Bill. That's that's exact. I think that's exactly that's that art of living a significant life. Um, rather than just settling for success, um, shooting for the significant life that God has for us. And I, I love that. You know, what I've found in my life is that the the Spirit has never. I didn't see where He was moving, but He was actually moving many 
pre- over a period of time. Uh, so I do also get, um, I don't even know if I can explain this. That's how artsy I am now. Uh, <laughs> but all of a sudden, when the spirit brings something up into your life, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness. Just like what you said. Yeah, I do have a desire to uh, to serve people. I thought that was to be in a big commun- a large community, but no, I'm now retrofitting it because I, I realized that, God, this is what you prepared me for. In fact, you know what? I grew up in a smaller community, and now I, I just know how to connect with people in a smaller community. You know, my wife and I, we we did know. Our uh, when, after marriage, we moved to Kansas City. Both grew up in North Dakota. Met here in Fargo at North Dakota State, and we always had an affinity for college towns. We just always thought that someday, if nothing else, in retirement, uh, when we lived in Kansas City, we thought, you know what? If we stay in Kansas City, I think we're going to move over to Lawrence and commute in. We've just always loved communities of, you know, 100,000, 200,000, love college towns. Um, And so that was just a thought we had totally outside of the context of ministry. Uh, When God then laid on our hearts to to move to Fargo, that was one of the things was like, oh, wow, I would have never thought of that, like – God, that was actually something just as we're randomly living life that we always thought we would just enjoy is living in a town the size of Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo and and a strong, you know, three universities here in town. So, yeah, I absolutely I've never even when the spirit kind of surprises us, um, all of a sudden, as we just have the courage to to listen and to ponder as we are heading into Christmas fairly soon here, uh, Mary pondered these things in her heart. And I think that's an important piece as well. I think that whole just giving God some time, giving the Spirit some time and being open to, well, it seems like this is what you're asking me to do, but let's just give it some time. And obviously we're talking more major life decisions versus kind of the daily promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um but those major decisions come after a number of promptings, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that is how the Spirit's been been blowing for a while in my life. Um, you know, it was crazy, like, when God kind of started laying on our heart to, to plant a new church, all of a sudden it was like, oh, so you kind of have to have some entrepreneurial skills, and I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but you know what? Yeah, when we were involved in our local church in Kansas City, we started a basketball league. We started a new small group for young adults, and we moved it to Sunday night, which was a major change. And and so I've learned how to try things that I, that you know, even the the church was like, boy, we don't know, we're not sure, we've never done it that way before. And and so uh, then in engineering, I learned how to kind of call on customers and and give presentations and. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, to some degree, when you start a new church, you've got to do that. You've got to have lunch with as many people as have lunch with you and just, you know, share with them if, as they ask, hey, here's what the new church is going to look like. Here's what mission, vision, values, and those sorts of things. And so all of a sudden, it was like, oh, this didn't – it felt like it came out of nowhere, but, oh, Spirit's actually been blowing me in this direction uh, for a while. And so it's a fascinating – uh, so yeah, I, I'll say when when all of a sudden people like they're heading in one, you know, uh, 
you know, oh, the, the Spirit is leading me to do this. And sometimes I say, well, what in your past has kind of at least indicated that this could be what God's got for you? And if there isn't anything, if there aren't those other kind of aha sorts of spirit moments that have happened prior, I, I would just encourage someone to to go slow. Um, th- this might be a new leading in your life, but just see if things start to add up. Uh, maybe add up isn't the right word. Just see if the spirit starts to confirm and open and um, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that is true. When I was back in high school, I I remember doing this, and man, that did, I realized, yeah, that is something I could see myself doing, or, you know what, I I did love learning new cultures, and oh, I had a friend who who spoke a foreign language, and so, yeah, I guess being a missionary in a foreign country, yeah, I do think that it does seem like that's something God has, has perhaps prepared me for, so. Yeah, so, John, safe to say, you've said goodbye to ordinary days. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, we just that is that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Now we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, maybe you could give a, a word of just a, you know encouragement to the listeners. You know they're they're hearing this and they're listening to your story and they're thinking, hmm, I want to be following what the where, where the spirit is leading. I don't want ordinary days. I want to step out and take risks and live in faith. Maybe you could encourage yeah. our listeners and me as well. Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, I hope this whole conversation has been a great encouragement. I, you know, Bill, I have a, uh, I have a burden uh, for the church as a whole um, that our kids, uh, so many of us, um, yeah, we are living kind of routine lives, and it's not that every day is going to be, you know, whatever we're going to change jobs and God's going to call us to whatever, give half of our savings. But there will be those days that he may do that. But uh, my concern is that is that we we find adventure in so many that we crave it. I think we're wired for adventure, and uh, but yet we so often are looking for that outside of um, how the spirit is moving. So here's my encouragement: is you know what, if you find adventure jumping on a snowmobile and going up to North Minnesota, northern Minnesota, still do that. But as you do that, say, you know what? The even greater adventure I'm going on is I'm going to look for the Holy Spirit's moving. <laughs> I'm going to look for what God's got. I'm not going to just simply go for the adventure of that event, of that habit or activity, that hobby. I'm going to, while I'm up uh, exploring nature, man, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's when I stop at that restaurant bar and all of a sudden there's a guy sitting next to me and I just start talking to him about life and I become a good listener for him. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's why the Holy Spirit brought me up here. <laughs> and so, yeah, the way I would encourage all of us is seek the adventure of the Holy Spirit throughout all of our adventures of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we do that, now all of a sudden there is purpose, there's meaning to all of our days, um, the ordinary days that we're at work, there's there's something the Spirit's wanting to share with us. Um, the moments we have tonight as we're with our families, um, there's something the Spirit's trying to, a way he's trying to uh, 
grow us and use us to bless others, uh, ways that we can lead our families. And uh, don't be afraid to... Uh, don't be afraid to engage in artsy conversation yeah. <laughs> and not everyone's going to understand. Uh, yeah. and that's okay. Um, Cause the Holy spirit is very mysterious and uh, it's fun. Yeah. It makes for a, a fun, exciting day. Well, John, you've brought us great encouragement and this is a, uh, I uh, love your story and I appreciate uh, you talking to us and, and uh, thank you for your work and your ministry and in, in uh, Fargo and also in Bismarck. Thank you, Bill. We are uh, really having a blast. Fantastic. John Hauser has been my guest. He's the co-founder and senior pastor at Prairie Heights Community Church. You can go to prairieheights.com to learn more about that church. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.